You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNB Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make it go whoa. Today on the show, we have two healthcare disruptors, the founders and nurse practitioners behind Celebrate Primary Care, Lisa McGarry and Della Tutin. Did I say that right? (laughs) I had to see, I asked like right before the show and have like this fear of getting it wrong. Oh my gosh. Ladies, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having us, awesome. This is, I've I've known Lisa for a while, and then I met what Della probably about a year ago. Yeah, I would I say, so. mm-hmm. and and have been in these ladies' network and kind of just you know from the outside in. I have all my all my questions are very like you know not not being in in what you guys do and not knowing a ton about it, but seeing from the outside in this perspective of of a business that seems to be growing rather rapidly, and um, I'm really really excited to get into it and talk about it. But before we do. Yo, dude, what'd you think about that Tennessee win last week? That was pretty special. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Dude, um, yeah, I'm just kind of like, why didn't we play like that against Kentucky, man? Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, I was down in Tampa, um, went to the Tampa Gator Club. It was a lot of fun. It was crazy. Yeah? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. That's cool. What else is going on in your world? Anything? Yeah, how's, how's, some... how's the magazine doing? The magazine's been out for what now? Yeah, about three weeks. Okay. It's, it's good. Tons of positive feedback. It'll be Excellent. online this week, which is, what, the end of September, so... Next issue come out November, and uh, we're working on some really cool things on the website. A uh, lot of uh, interesting things happening. So you put one out in September. Was it? Yes, yeah, so it's going to be bi-monthly. Okay, so, so it's a September months. October issue. Next one will be November December. Okay. Yeah. What kind of stuff are you guys featuring in it? I mean, a lot of like uh, top fives, hot lists, just interesting little nuggets that will become shareable kind of online. Just things that you don't get in most of the other mediums or publications. So uh, this next issue is gonna be a Eat Gainesville issue, so all sorts of you know, brunch stuff, happy hour, all sorts of cool things that uh, you can't really find here. I'm gonna give you a challenge. Okay. I want you to pick the best dishes around town from the best restaurants and get the recipes. <laughs> we could do see that. if they would like let you publish one or two of them yeah. like, in the magazine. Which, that way uh, I can make it at home. Which one would most interest you? What's your favorite? No, that's dish? a good question. That's something that I would have to like really, really think about. Do you guys have any opinion on that? Any feedback? What's the best dish in town that you wish you could make at home? Hmm. Spark makes a shrimp and grits that's fantastic. Yeah? It's awesome. Yeah, it is. Yes. That's true. That would be good. I'm not a huge grits person, but hmm. I'm definitely gonna have to give that one some thought. Yeah. Come back, circle back to me. Like, oh, yeah. which one? So one of the favorites at Chewy's is Shirley Goo, and it's not, I guess, super secret, but it's just, I have two kids who can't eat wheat, and so it's just rice and queso and chicken, and it's amazing. It's pretty fantastic, actually. Cool. That'd be good. Yeah, that sounds one. really good. I will. <laughs> so, well, ladies, thank you so much again for being here. This is super exciting for me because one, like we were just talking this morning, I'm like, man, I feel so honored because we get to interview such amazing companies right here in Gainesville and hear so much of their stories and I just get this ongoing education. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's been an honor thus far. So 
we always like to start with the origin stories. You know, when did you, you started the business in 2015? Yes. Okay, so 2015, so I mean, we're still technically in like startup mode here. Um, you know, give us your story. How did this business come to be? So, I guess I'll start. So Dell and I have known each other for over 20 years. Um, she, my son's 24 and she used to come to our house. She was still in high school. She'd come to our house for barbecues. Her cousin was one of our friends. And we lost touch probably for about 10 years, 15 years, well, maybe 10 years. And then we ended up in the same accelerated nursing program at UF. And I don't know, I feel like the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, our lives kept in our, you know, in our crossing paths, I guess, would be a better word. Um, and so um, Lisa and I entered that program and you would take different tracks out into, you know, your what you were interested in doing. And so I went into a longer kind of path, um, which was a family medicine track. And Lisa did a pediatric track at that time. And so um, we, we split ways and I you know, went on to school further and she graduated and went out and practiced and was working in a pediatric ER. And um, I graduated and was in a practice um, that I continued with for 10 years. And Lisa got out and decided that, you know, it was really limiting um, in her practice life that she could only see kids. And so she decided to go back. And then um, she went back into another um, adult track to be more well-rounded. And um, then she came and did a year of clinicals with me as a student. And um, we were actually pregnant at the same time, which was awesome. <laughs> that was so fun. We yeah. had the cutest picture. It's uh -huh. awesome. Yeah. And um, then she went on and um, did more school because she's addicted. You know, we Lisa has Pretty five much. degrees from UF. <laughs> I have three degrees from UF. We just yep. couldn't get enough. And, um, and then ultimately, I guess the last three years of me being in the practice I was in, she came and joined me, and we were in different locations, but we decided you know, that eventually we wanted to open up our own practice, um, but we, you know, we knew that the insurance model wasn't the right thing for us, and so you know, we had always you know, kind of searched and looked, and Lisa came upon a, um, what did you find, an article? So it was an article that was in my email, and it came in, November of 2014, it's so funny, the things you remember. Um, and so I read about it a little bit and I put it on the back burner. You know, the holidays were coming, all this stuff, and it was in December and I, I reached out to Della and I'm like, this has kind of been eating at me. Can you look at this and see what you think and see if we can do this? And so basically we didn't sleep for four months, I, I swear. Three o'clock in the morning, she's sending me articles, I'm sending her articles, like we're super excited. We're reading about what it's like to start a business and be a nurse practitioner starting a business and starting a business that only takes cash and, you know, are we going to be able to do this and how is this going to work? And we decided, you know what, we can do this. And as nurse practitioners, we're very blessed. Like we can get a job in a week. So if this didn't work out, we were going to find another job. You know, we were ready and we, we picked our building based on what we could pay if we could pay the rent out of our house budget, right? So we got this tiny little office and if it doesn't work out, we're going to be able to pay the bills out of our home budgets half each, or we're just going to move into it, put some bunk beds and install a shower, and that would be where we stay with our families. <laughs> so, you know, it was really fun and exciting, and it was a fascinating time, and a lot of growth and a lot of learning and a lot of fun. And it stayed fun. It's been amazing. How long did it take for you to, like, make that decision that this was the business model you were going to go after? We probably decided in February and then opened in May. Okay. Yeah. So... It's been awesome, you know, I think that, 
you know, it's really a scary thing to start a business, as most people who've started a business know, but, you know, it comes to be that point where you're like, this is the right thing. And so we feel like we kind of jumped off the building together. And, you know, luckily our little sale opened and we're flying and it's been amazing. And what we're really excited about is the growth that we've had and how welcomed we've been in this community and the interest. I mean, we've had people reach out to us from all over that have come and want to do this model. Um, a lot of people are really perplexed by how it even actually works because it's so affordable and so many things in healthcare are not affordable and there's no transparency. And that's what we really look to do is offer transparency and affordability and be a solution to you know a desperate need for people. Um, and we're really proud of the fact that we're doing that. And we're the, we are the first direct primary care here in Gainesville and in North Central Florida, really. Um, you know, this isn't a new model. It's been around since the 90s. It was started out in Washington State. And, um, you know, it was, um, it, it started in the West Coast. It's more popular out there, um, but it's been successful. And big companies, you know, we focus on serving individuals, but right now what we found is our, you know, market is really small business owners who are looking for affordability um, and oftentimes insurance costs are out of reach for them. Um, and so they're looking for, you know, options to provide an actual benefit and care to their employees. And that's who we, market to and that's who we try to serve um, along with individuals as well but we pair really well you know we're a, it's a paradigm shift to kind of look at our model and look at other ways to pair our model with a high deductible insurance plan right and, so, and some companies can't even afford a high deductible insurance plan so they're losing good employees and they're not able to recruit because people are going to larger companies right so explain a little bit about the uh, you know why the model so affordable and, and maybe even a little bit about like, you know, the the fees, whether it's for a business, like act, as if I know nothing pitch about you. your business. I'll pitch yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly because do. like I think I, mean, I can do it all day. Yeah, please, please <laughs> go right ahead. So it's membership-based medicine. The reason that it's affordable is because there's price transparency, and we're not billing insurance companies. When you bill insurance companies, forty percent or forty cents on every healthcare dollar is spent fighting with insurance companies trying to get paid. That is preposterous. So when you offer wholesale pricing on labs and medications, and you know at Celebrate, the only way that we generate income is through the membership, and it's super affordable. So for fifty to one hundred dollars a month for individuals, or fifty dollars per employee per month for businesses, unlimited access, no copays, discounts on labs, medication, radiology, eyeglasses, dentals services. So. As a member with us, we you know it's like American Express membership has its privileges. And when I say discounts, like a Z Pack, which is thirty bucks at CVS, it's a dollar ninety three at our office. And we have a pharmacy on site in the state of Florida. It's fantastic. We, as practitioners, we can have dispensing licenses, and so we have a pharmacy. So if you're sick and you come in, you get your medicine, you go home. You know, you don't have to wait at Publix or CVS for 30 minutes. You can get treatment right away. And then we draw labs on site. We have a contract with Quest for wholesale pricing, and we pass those savings right on to our members. So a full panel of labs that might cost you 500 bucks if you have insurance or don't have insurance because you have to meet your deductible, it's amazing. We can get a full panel of labs for $40. And we can check them as often as you want. You know, if you're worried because, oh my gosh, my dad had high cholesterol and I really want to check this more than twice a year because that's all your insurance will pay, we can look at it every three months. It's $10. So 
It's saving people money, getting them care when they need it, no co-pays. Literally, you could come, if you need to come to the office every day for a week because you have something funky going on, we need to look at you, cost you nothing. If, you ha- if you're traveling, you can email your provider and we'll be happy to take care of you wherever you are. Now, if you need an ER, obviously you're gonna have to go to the ER, but if you're like, I got a bug bite or my sinuses are killing me or whatever, things, you know, minor thing that like that, you don't have to go to the urgent care. You can be taken care of by your provider who's still in Gainesville and you're in North Carolina and they just send a prescription to your pharmacy. So it's great. So one, one other story that I like a lot is a patient, um, he didn't realize that we can do stitches in the office. So that's an urgent care kind of thing. And he went to the ER and he had seven stitches and he got a bill for $7,000. Oh my gosh. And in our office, it would have been free. Wow. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. So the part that really starts to intrigue me about this is the scalability part. Okay. Because I mean, I am a very driven entrepreneur. I like to grow my businesses. And so I'm interested kind of in your, in your capacity, right? Because you guys are both like very customer service oriented. I mean, I don't even know if like you want this out there, but I've seen you like texting back and forth with, with patients and, and that worries me from a side of, like, I love it from the customer service side, right? Like it's the same thing as when a customer goes on, on Google and they're like, you know, there's a little message button, they click the little message, it actually sends a text to us and like very, like that's going to me. Um, and then I can kind of delegate it from there. But but it, I've even found that it's getting super tough, you know, for, for me. I mean, I have to think that you guys have a capacity, because you're also, you're running the business part, but then you're also, you know, caring for patients. I mean, What's what's your capacity, and then once once you know that you've met that capacity, like how do you plan on on growing? So we've got this. Yeah, you've got this. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. Like this is this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like this is what I this is an education for me. I love learning this stuff because I think and I think a lot of other business owners too just struggle with that sometimes it's like like what's what's my max how do i scale myself you always hear people oh i wish i could clone myself if i just had 20 of me like we would crush the world yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. you hear these things yeah. all the time and the truth is like you can't like i mean i've i've done things to help like get a personal assistant and like these different things that have helped scale scale me but still it's extremely difficult so what i would say is in the traditional insurance model of practice um, a provider will be assigned a panel of patients, which can be up to 4,000 patients. And you know that's why oftentimes if a one single provider has 4,000 patients on a panel, it's difficult for the individual to get in because they're overbooked. In our practice model, we max out at 600 patients per provider. So that allows us to continue to provide the level of service that we intend. Um, and we, Lisa and I have grown from the two of us and one medical assistant um, that will tell you the first year of our lives and business, uh, we paid out of our personal savings account um, and didn't pay ourselves and worked other jobs to build our practice. Um, We've grown from the two providers to now having six of us. And when each provider reaches their capacity, then we add another provider and they grow their panel of patients. And so it's much more manageable than what you imagine and it's scalable because there's unlimited numbers that could utilize this service. I mean, because it's so different. 
and as we grow and gain, um, you know, notoriety, notoriety, exposure, to exposure, knowing that we're here. Yeah, that I think that people are like, wow, this is a like this is a real thing, and this is a real tangible benefit, and people love it. So, you know, we have providers begging to come and work and do what we're doing because they see the quality of life that they can have. You know, in a traditional medicine practice, they're burnout, they're tired. You know, they're seeing thirty and forty patients a day. Sometimes they're just—it's so hard, and you know, they're not delivering the level of care that they originally intended um, when they started out. They wanted to, you know, take care of people, but when you are seeing that many patients a day, um, it's not, you're not delivering on what you had intended originally. So I think for us, when we are able to provide this platform to providers and the word gets out, they're like, man, I want to have this kind of life because it's so much better for them. They're able to spend the time and they're able to communicate with patients and take care of them and also have a life you know I would say I told you in a traditional practice 30 patients a day is like you know a regular that's a norm in our practice six to eight patients a day which is way more manageable and you know the patients like it better and the thing is is that a lot of things can be handled you know remotely like we don't you know, we could have a phone conversation with someone about their labs and, you know, an email instead of, you know, having to make them come back in because that's the way that the insurance model, they get billed. You know, it's how they make their money is like each patient contact is a real life contact. So the patient comes in, they sit in a waiting room, you know, oftentimes they've been scheduled at say 10 o'clock and they're not seen until 1130 and they're there for a lab review and it's like, well, here are your labs and, you know, then you're on your way and they've had seven minutes with their provider and it's like, you know, it's just a really broken system and we were done participating in that. Okay, got a couple questions now. Okay. <laughs> They're all flooding in. <laughs> um, you bring on a new practitioner, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, does that person start at zero? Like, how, like it, when you reach capacity, you know, six people with 600 patients and like, how does that work when you bring somebody so, else in? So we don't actually wait till their panel's full. So when you get about half full, then we add the next provider. And we're actually adding a location. And so we've actually, that's why we've added two providers because one will be full-time in Alachua at that office when it opens probably early next year. And then the other one will be split between two locations. So Dell and I even did that. When we got to about 300 each, that's when we hired Jennifer and she's been with us almost two years. And so you have to kind of have a vision of, you can't kind of live in right now. As an entrepreneur, you have to live like a year from now. So what would that look like? And as our growth is been, you know, it used to be 30 to 60 a month, now it's 60 to 100 a month. And how do you, you know, make sure your providers are in place? So we don't want people waiting a month for an appointment. Never more than two weeks, unless for some reason, as the patient, you can't get in before that because of your schedule or you're traveling or whatever. I don't ever want to walk up front and my, you know, receptionist is saying, we'll see you in six weeks because that is not what we do and that's not who we are. We want patients to get care when they need it. We want them to get established. But we add on businesses, like we just added one with 12 and we've got one with 30 coming on. And so we see those things coming and then we have to adjust and like, okay, how, how many patient appointments, new patient appointments do we have a week? Jennifer's almost capped out. So then, you know, we have Dr. Michelle and we've got Samantha and we've got Victoria that just started. And so trying to get their panels built because we want them to have a good income and be able to stay busy. But we also don't want a situation where we have people sitting around. 
So it's that balance, and everybody has that in their in their in their job. So. Okay. So, and you decided to open up another location. You said in Alachua. Yes. Okay. So what leads to that that decision, and why Alachua, not why? The other side of town, like where there's just a bunch of your patients out there, like what what leads to that kind of decision? So we have about 10% of patients out there, but there's not anything out there. So there's limited access to care. There's not a lot of pharmacy options. There's no draw stations for labs. And there's a huge need. And a lot of people that work in Lake City actually drive to Gainesville. And so having some place kind of halfway in between is gonna be fantastic. And then we have an opportunity, because the building is bigger than what we need, to put in a couple of specialists that they don't have in Alachua. So we're hoping that we'll have urology and GI in the same building where we'll, they'll offer good cash prices to our either high deductible or uninsured patients so they can get the care that they need. So it's about expanding care to places that people don't get it. And will we have another Gainesville location? We hope so. You know, we wanna expand to Jacksonville and Ocala and basically take over Florida, but you know, you gotta do that one location at a time. How much of your time is being spent on like CEO business role stuff and then being spent on seeing patients? Cause I feel like, <laughs> I feel like like here I am, I'm like, I'm like CEO of these businesses, I'm like working hard in my businesses and then, you know, to add on another, what seems like another layer to me, I'm like, wow, like you guys must really have it together. <laughs> I would say that we um, work harder than we could have ever anticipated. Um, I would say, you know, with the amount that's the demand of growing the business and all the administrative side and the patient care, it gets to be a lot sometimes, um, but I think that we wouldn't do it any other way. I mean, it's just kind of who we are and we love it. And we love the fact that we're able to provide a platform to providers that were so burnt out that they were gonna leave medicine because they're amazing, but they're so disappointed in the level of the care. Yeah, the system and that we're excited. Sounds like education. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I heard the same thing in education. Like many, so many great teachers and they stopped teaching because That's the system's exactly broken. Right. Right, and there's too many, you know, there's too many obstacles for them to continue on and feel like they're making a difference. And you know, a lot of people that go into healthcare, they're helpers. You know, they want to help people, they want to fix and make things better. And when you can't, when you can't do that anymore, then you're done. And so we're really excited about the fact that we get to provide this platform and help people live and help in the way that they wanted to. And um, I think that you know, as time goes on, um, and we have more, you know, providers in place, and there's a natural attrition. It's about two percent a year, I would say, based on you know our population. You know, Lisa and I have stopped taking new patients unless it's a special request or someone that is connected to us personally. Um, so you know, there's there's that that we can continue, but we, I mean, we work really hard. I mean, we're working early morning till you know late I think at night. my f my first text was at 5:30 this morning. Yeah. So and I got a text at 10:30 last night but I I did not answer it because it was not an urgent need and I like sleep. So <laughs> you know. So it's and it's an education too for our patients to not, you know, sure. to be reasonable. If if you just have a general question, email that to me and I'll talk to you in the morning. If it's a very urgent issue like should I go to the ER or urgent care, then that's the time to text me. So um 
but people love it. They love the access. They love being able to, it's like having a provider in your family that you can just call and say, hey, this is going on. I have a question. You know, what should I do? And that's what we do for our patients. And it's just a different level of care. And and Della and I work at a pace different than most people. And so we are able to kind of balance that, you know, administrative stuff. And we, we've got that divided, you know, pretty well right now for us to feel comfortable. And we've also stepped away from the office one day a week where we can actually do our CEO stuff and meet with business owners and, you know, So you're literally carving out a day literally, for that yeah, stuff. a whole day, yep. Yeah. What day is it, Monday, Tuesday? It's Tuesday. That's why this <laughs> works really we well for oh, us. So that's why this works. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Perfect. So if those things, like, you know, your capacity isn't necessarily the bottleneck and the constraint, like what do you, like, is there one? Like, what do you think? I think it's the same for every small business growth, it's cash flow, right? Cash buying flow. another business, buying another building. We like to buy our buildings, and so buying another building is an issue, and adding providers, That's there's a financial cost in adding medical assistants and phlebotomists and receptionists, and you know, people are amazing, and we would not be here if we haven't had the people we had, but that's a big expense for a company. And so, you know, balancing the growth with the cash flow, and we have some amazing business mentors that have been so helpful in kind of guiding us and, and helping us because we weren't previous business owners. Dell and I have experience in sales, and we have experience, Dell's got experience in fundraising, and I did device medical device sales, and so we've got that side where we know how to talk to people, but that doesn't translate to running a business, and so we've had a lot of, I mean, we wouldn't be here without the mentors we've had, for sure. And a lot of luck. I mean, been, <laughs> there have been some real blessings along the way. You know, last year when Hurricane Irma came through, um, we were in our tiny little building, and I was at home. I was um, housing refugees from South Florida, and so I had 12 people in my house, a dog and a cat, and I don't have animals, and I was losing my mind. And then I got a text from a patient with a video, and I was like, why is she? Why is this patient oh, sending no. me a video? And she had gone out driving around and went by our building and saw the tree. Tree in the roof. I do yeah. remember that. And so we were like, oh my gosh. But it turned out to be a blessing beyond measure. We had so many people in the community that came out and helped us. We we were moved within, like, literally, we got our stuff out of there within hours that day. And um, we were moved into a temporary location. Um, and then we ask if we could move up the closing on our building. We thought we would have about four months to do all of the renovations to our building. And we got it done in two weeks. And we were moved in and up and running. And we never skipped a beat. I mean, we were always able to take care of our patients and the temporary location. And it just really accelerated us. And we're equipped to move quick when we need to. And, um, you know, so the building was such an awesome blessing and everything that happened. And now with the second location, um, that's coming. I mean, it's such a great opportunity and, you know, and a great investment, um, you know, real estate wise and just a great opportunity for us to serve more of the community and outlying community of Gainesville. And that's what we really want to do. And, you know, like I said, grow and help providers provide care that they want to and, you know, reach all the people that we can. So well, I'm glad that the treat him displace you too 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 much. No, it was all. I mean, well, I mean, it did. I mean, we were homeless. And we moved twice in two weeks, but yeah. it was you know it ended up being a blessing. We did have like family and friends and patients. People came out and helped us paint, and because yeah, we had floors, at our man. at our other location, we had we would see patients 
Then we would leave there and wrangle up our children and feed them, and then we would go back to the new place and paint. We actually had to rent out our building we were buying two weeks early so we could start to actually you know, renovate. Yeah, we had people in the day ripping stuff out while we weren't there, and then we would come in at night and we would clean up and paint. And we had, I mean, patients and family and friends, and I can't even tell you. It was so amazing. It kind of makes me want to tear up a little bit. But we had. So we love you, help. Gainesville. Thank you for being so <laughs> awesome. Yes. Hey, um, okay, so I'm kind of, I want to get back to this uh, Tuesday CEO day. <laughs> is that how you how define your roles? It? Are you like, do you say yeah. co-CEOs? Yeah. And, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Like, do you guys have, you know, your particular strengths? Do you guys have lanes that you stay in? Is the Tuesday CEO day like a day where you're like really working a lot on CEO stuff together mm -hmm. or is it very separated? Like, I'm just kind of interested in that. So we've divided tasks up, you know, and so we kind of come together. It, it, what we mostly do on CEO planning days is, you know, talking about what businesses are coming on and what businesses we are looking at to add to um, our membership. And then, you know, staffing issues and concerns and what are our, you know, strategies for managing those type of things. Um, you know, and looking at finances and where are we and where are we going and how are things looking. And, you know, Della's the master decorator. So if you come to our office, it's amazing. That is not my lane. Like, I know not to be in that lane. Basically, she look, I go with her. We look at things. And if I hate it, she says, okay. But most everything that she picks, I love. And then she puts it together magically. I don't have that gene. It's a blessing <laughs> to have Adela because that saves us a lot of money. Um, and I'm the kind of getter, getter dunner. So if there's a list, I'm on it and it's done, you know, and Della's really good with the, you know, her mom used to be an accountant and work for the IRS. So a lot of that stuff, her and her mom handle, which is fantastic. And then my husband's a web developer and he's on our website. I don't know how long we're gonna be able to pay him in Home Depot gift cards, but, um, <laughs> you know, he's done hopefully, our website. Hopefully for a long time. That would time. be so nice. Yeah. <laughs> and we pay my mom and random public skip cards. <laughs> yeah, and spa, and spa treatments, you yeah. know, so she does our QuickBooks and stuff for us. So amazing blessings in our lives to get us to where we are so far, for sure. Yes. That's great. Do you guys ever take a vacation? <laughs> yeah, those are hard. <laughs> You're both like, yeah. Well, we you know, travel, If you consider Sunday a vacation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not even that, we actually, so I'll tell you the only time that we can actually get away and disconnect completely is if we get on a boat, where there's no cell signal. Mm. So Lisa went to Alaska this summer. Oh, that was so stressful though. <laughs> it was. Well, I think, I think that when you're a CEO, it's always hard to disconnect. I mean, I think that's part of the personality, right? Of course. And, and so we I both think, have hilarious stories of standing at the very top and holding our phone out over the like, yes. water trying to get signal because somebody had texted us and we can't respond and it's like, Ooh. oh. Yes, absolutely. And not that we don't trust each other implicitly. Like I'm fine, you know, she runs the office when I'm not there and I run the office when she's not there, but it's the patient stuff and it's like, they didn't get the email or they didn't do what they were supposed to do and now we're worried that like something's not gonna get handled and oh. Yeah, because if a patient would text and we're in the middle of the ocean, right, and they didn't receive the email that said, hey, won't be available by um, phone, text, email, then they're like freaking out, like why isn't this provider, you know, that's my provider responding to me? So we, we've really tried to come up with good strategies about communicating and really most of the time, you know, it's not been a problem at all because they figure out like, well, they're not responding to me. Maybe I should just call the office. So that's what we always wanna tell people to do anyway. Like, hey, you know, we may be in meetings or we may be, you know, um, seeing patients. So if we don't respond to you, like, 
lightning quick, then we will get back to you, we promise. And, um, you know, we we will. You know, it's just that, like, if we're on vacation, then we have to have a little downtime. But we don't do a lot of that. We don't do a lot of, and a lot of times, like, I'll go out of town, and I just, I don't feel the need to even really tell anybody because I'm still available. They can still text me, you know. Yeah, if we're traveling in the States, and we try to protect our providers from this, like we try to make sure that if they're traveling even in, in state or in the States that we, you know, take their patients and handle it because we are trying to protect them, but we don't do a good job of protecting ourselves. So like at Christmas, we always go to Kentucky. Nobody knows I'm in Kentucky because I can manage you from wherever I am as long as I have self-signal and we have good signal there. So it's one of those things where, you know, we're, we do what we do. <laughs> yeah, I went into Amish country in Ohio and thought I was going to have a heart attack because they don't have cell service out there. And I was like, oh, this is really, really problematic because, you know, so I would have to drive to the edge of town like every day to where I could get a signal. And then I would have like a, a barrage. Yeah. And then there's another place that we like to go over scalloping and there's not a signal over there. So I have to go to the end of the island and stand like I could literally climb out on a jetty to like catch a signal and yeah. then I'll get like all the email, all the texts that flood ding, 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 in. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. And then I sit out there and re respond like looking like a crazy person. Everybody else out there fishing and hanging out and <laughs> I'm on my phone. This uh, reliance we have on cell yeah, phones, technology so these days, I'm like, you can't be with, you know, further than an arm's length away from it. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I run pretty much everything off the phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do. It's crazy. Literally. Yeah. It's like your business. Yeah. I've got one question about the, so your total patients right now, how many of them came in as individuals or families? versus coming in as businesses? So it's about 60-40, 60% businesses and 40%, okay. um, kind of we call them off the street, you know? Yeah. Uh, and some of them used to work at businesses and then they, when they left the business, they stayed with us because they're like, we can't get this anywhere else, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's transitioned to that higher percentage over time because we've really, we didn't, okay, so funny story, we started this and we did our business plan and we're like, okay, our main target audience is women, 30 to 50, you know, they haven't had good care, they really need somebody. And we ended up on the front page of the newspaper a week after we opened, which is a very interesting thing to happen to a business, uh, talking about that luck stuff. Um, so we had business owners calling us. One guy was in tears. He's like, I've been looking for something. Do you have a corporate plan? And Del and I looked at each other. We have a freaking corporate plan? We're like, yes, of course we have a corporate plan. When are you available? We'd love to come and chat with you. And so that's how the corporate plan started. We didn't know that that was such a need because we never owned a business. And so the business owners have been like this. I mean, we have 125 businesses, 1,700 yeah. members. We started with zero three and a half years ago. And so that's being an entrepreneur. I'm like, business, corporate plan? Yeah, sure. So obviously we have one now and that's all you know very robust, but it was really funny at the beginning. That's such an important lesson to learn in entrepreneurship, in my opinion, is is saying, like, I very often say yes, and then just go figure, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, you have to do that. Uh, have I told you my Anheuser-Busch story? No. Like, uh, several years ago, we did, like, we did a deal with Anheuser-Busch, and they, and it was with the local distributor they had bought. With Burkhart? Like, yeah, Burkhart, they had bought, um, you know, a handful of scooters, it was like, it was like 25 scooters to, like, set up, on you know, in the grocery stores and they did this back to school giveaway and it quickly grew from like 25 scooters to like 50 scooters between here and Tallahassee and it went over so well 
that Stephen Burkhart he called he called me and he goes he goes hey man I just want to give you a heads up I was like I was actually having a vacation day out on out on the boat in Lake Santa Fe chilling out there I get this call and he's like hey just want to let you know that Anheuser-Busch in St. Louis, Missouri is probably going to call you because they asked us about, you know, the giveaway and how it went. And I told them that it went really, really well. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to do. So, so they call and, you know, a few days later they call and we start talking to them and, you know, it's like, it was it was like a deal for like 250 scooters. They're like, listen, listen, listen this is what we need. We need 250 scooters, you know, shipped shipped to these different college markets, you know, it's basically mainly all Southeastern conference markets, like to all these markets, um, you know, we, we need them, you know, delivered Mm -hmm. and then we need, we need a purchase order and we'll pay you like uh, 120 days later. That's how we do things (laughs) is, is, you know, is that okay? Can you like manage that, you know, from a cash flow standpoint, like, no, how am I gonna pay for 250 scooters? That's gonna take you like, months to pay for. Yeah, like I have no idea. And and he was like, so you know, is that a problem? I'm like, oh no, that's not a problem. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> we'll we'll get it figured out. <laughs> and I, like I literally hung up the phone after that conversation. He was like, okay, great. Well, like send us the purchase order. We'll get it done. Blah blah. blah. Hung up the phone. I started freaking <laughs> the hell out, man. I was like, how am I gonna make this happen? I had no idea how I was gonna make this happen. And I started calling like, you know, family members. Hey, you know, you have like a you know quarter million dollars I can borrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was crazy. But uh, but we ended up we ended up actually making it work. And I actually got one of our distributors to to help us in terms of managing the cash flow. And it, and it worked out for the best. And we ended up doing the deal and it was a huge huge success and a lot of fun but but that's one of the le- like I go back to UF and I like do a lot of little entrepreneurship class you know teaching things yeah. just going and speak once in a while and one of the and one of the pieces of advice that I very often get is to never hesitate and just always you know always say yes and then figure it out later <laughs> so like I just love that that lesson in entrepreneurship yeah it's happened a lot yes for sure <laughs> You had said that the model has been around since like the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, in Washington. I mean, why don't you, why hasn't it grown faster? I feel like, I, I mean, maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I just don't know. Are, are there just like millions of these types of places out there? No, but it has, since Obamacare ha, has caused such a rate increase, it's really blown up over the last three years. So there are a lot more, like Ocala has three, Jacksonville's got a few, Orlando's has some. And so this model has grown because rates have increased so much. And we don't know why more people haven't done it. I think. A lot of times we've talked to providers and they're like, well, you know, my staff of four billing people, like they need to have a job. And, you know, I would feel really bad if I cut my costs and I didn't need them. And then, you know, so from their perspective, that's always the way it's been done. And people are afraid to change and it's very different and they don't understand how it can work for them. But fighting with insurance companies over 40 cents of every dollar. Insane. Like... What, I mean, the I, other thing that I think, Colin, is, um, you know, this is really outside of the box, and insurance has dominated the scene, and providers, you know, a lot of times doctors, other providers, they just, they aren't people that are going to go out and be salespeople entrepreneurs. or entrepreneurs or talk about, you know, um, recruitment or business or marketing when you have an insurance like 
you know, this big Funnels company that spoon feeds you. And yes, there is a massive cost to you, but it's also very passive for them. And what we do is, you know, we have, we have like blazed a trail here. We've pounded the pavement. It's education. It's constantly, you know, trying to inform and, and help people understand because they look at us kind of sideways, like a dog confused, you know, it's like, wow, this is weird but it makes so much sense. And then, you know, it, it takes a lot of time. And I think, you know, we've had different experiences in our life that allowed us to be prepared to do this and deliver this model. And I think that people who are, you know, come up through the ranks of, you know, traditional education, you know, bachelor's degree, and then go through med school and then residency, you know, they are in a system. They're like in this little channel where they're gonna go out and say, okay, well, I'm here now, so come see me. Well, we can't just sit back and say, hey, we're here now, come see me. We have to go out and say, come on, you know, and be excited and educate them and, you know, show them why we're so amazing. Have you guys always been entrepreneurial? Yes. I definitely have been. For sure. Like always thinking of ideas and always, you know, looking at things from a different perspective and, you know, from the time we were little. I mean, you know, Lisa and I both from a very young age were driven and always worked. I mean, you know, the thing that we have found um, is that we both, our first jobs, like official jobs, I mean, I started a babysitting, you know, company when I was 11. Um, mm -hmm. I, uh, I actually was in the paper for that, like going out and distributing my flyers back then. But Lisa and I actually both, our first jobs were scooping ice cream, yep. and then we both waited tables. Yep. And so it's just our little parallels of our lives. Together? No. Uh, different towns, yeah. that was our first jobs. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, so we have customer service experience, which has led to this, and I was a distributor for a purse company for like three years, and so I had to learn how to pound the pavement and talk to people. and. You know, I got the experience on how to set up an LLC and all the legalese related to that. So that's kind of some of the stuff I brought to the table. So, you know, it's been fun. I mean, we every time hard. we talk about this, it's like I just get a smile on my face. I'm like, this is my favorite thing ever. I, For me, being in a system doesn't work. I'm not a great employee. Like, if stuff doesn't work well, I want to make it better. And in a system, that doesn't work well. So I would never win Employee of the Year because I was a disruptor always. And so this is like the perfect job for me. I can see patients and take care of them. And I can, you know, grow the business and open new offices and meet more people. And it's, it's like the perfect job for me, and I love it. Yeah, there's something about people trying to make you fit a mold. And as an entrepreneur, you just... You just I'm can't. A, I'm it's a not even. It's I'm, not even possible. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm the worst. So what's what's the next five years look like for you guys? Um, more locations um, and expand. how many more? Twenty? Twenty-five? Five. <laughs> five. <laughs> I, just I was just going. well. One this uh, potentially one this year, and then two next year, and then we'll have to see because we don't want to mess it up, right? You right. want to scale, but you want to maintain growth, right? Maintain level of service and. We're, we're not going to franchise. We actually looked at that because we had so many people offering us money, please franchise. And, uh, you know, we went to this giant why conference. Mm. Well, we'll I'll tell you a funny story. So we go to this giant conference out in Phoenix with all of these franchisees. And it's like IFA. It's a big deal. And we're at the last. So we're listening to all this, taking in notes, you know, thinking about like, because, you, you know, it costs a lot of money to franchise. And, you know, we sat at this last table and the guy, the guy who had owned like 
700 mailboxes, et cetera, or something and sold them, he looked at us, he looked at us and he goes, don't franchise because you lose control, you, especially in a service industry. It's very, it's, you know, it's very scary. And just keep it corporate like Starbucks. And we were like, Thank okay, you. we're out. Let's go eat lunch and get on the plane. <laughs> I mean, as soon as he said That's that. that fast, huh? yeah. yeah. Well, he was like, it will ruin your life. Get it out. Take, and I was it like, will take over. Well, because it's, let's go. with a franchisee, it's like a divorce. I mean, it's not like, you, you know, it's not like it's corporate and somebody's in there and they're not doing a good job and we just say, get out. It's, wow, we have, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of legal fees to try to figure out how to get rid of you because you don't fit at all. And so... For us, it just wasn't the right thing. And I have, you know, a friend who owns multiple franchises, and every time I meet with her, it's like these terrible stories. I'm like, thank you, God, so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, that's why. Have anything else? No, I just think it's a. Uh, right. It's really cool. Well, I do then. I, I just like to check back with Ty because I feel yeah, like I often dominate uh, the conversation and I totally don't mean to. My brain just starts going on these, like, no, you start talking and all these questions start coming to mind and I want to I want to make sure that he gets his answer as well. Um, what's what's the biggest, so far, I mean, it's, it's only been three years? Yeah, three and a half. <laughs> three and a half years. I mean, what's been the biggest lesson you've learned so far through those three and a half years? hire slow and don't hire when you're in crisis because that's always a bad decision yes. that's what I would say is our worst our like biggest lesson yeah I think that a lot of the other things we have or we have perceived control over and um, I think the hardest thing hardest lessons are um, you know managing people and you know, helping them grow and putting the right people in the right seat on the, bus. on the bus. And I know it's kind of cliche and it's what everybody says, but it's true. You know, going and talking with other CEOs and listening to them. Um, Lisa and I have gotten in with a mentor and a group of CEOs locally that have been amazing. And sometimes we feel like the little babies, you know, the new kids on the block. and that we maybe aren't doing the best job with, you know, managing and picking the right people. But I will tell you that it's the problem for so many people. And it's, you know, it isn't limited to us being new. It is people who are well-established and have been doing their businesses for a long time. People is people are the hardest part of the business. And, um, you know, doing the right things and picking the right people. So we're, we're trying to get better and, um, you know, be more effective at doing that. And I think that we are. I think that we are, you know, getting great people who have a mind of service and care. And that's the most important. I mean, you know, I used to think like having the most highly educated people with the smartest, the smartest. And it's like, well, sometimes that is important for certain roles. Like we want our providers, our doctors, whoever comes on to be the smartest and the brightest. But, you know, we want people who really have, and for them too, we want them to have a you know, a mind and heart for service and, and care and help being helpful and kind. We think that that is what we stand for and what we want to deliver. And so you have to have people who think like that to actually, you know, have that translated. And we've gotten better at that. Yeah. And, and it's something that's come up quite a bit on, on the podcast even is, is company culture and culture is like defined by the people that 
you bring into the organization. Yes. Um, and, and the values that they represent, the values that you represent. So, um, like, and I can totally empathize with all of it. It's a roller coaster for everybody, oh, I yeah. think. It's, and I yeah. think for us is that, you know, we make our employees our priority, our, our priority, but our customers are our priority, our members are our priority. So I would say that we always like try to, if there's an issue that comes up, we try to answer it with the question like, you know, how is this fulfilling our mission to make these, you know, members our priority? Like, what are we doing to care for them? Is what we're doing in line with our mission, you know? And our vision of yeah. being the best primary care. Like, in the best primary care, do we do that? And then they answer. You know, they come up with ideas. I'm like, do, do, is that what the best primary care, like, when you envision the best primary care, is that what you see? And it's, like, eye-opening for them. They're mm. like, no, probably not. Or... Yes, that's what we need to do. And we and dip to do that with ourselves all the time because yeah. we get presented with like opportunities wee, and wee. it's like, well, is this keeping in, you know, in line with what we are trying to accomplish? So, if it's a yes, then it's we're always going to do it. If it's not, then we, you know, table it and say we'll look at it again later, but right now you know, we're, we're moving in this direction. That's hard sometimes. It's as, very hard. Especially as you start to grow and more and more opportunities start coming your way. Yeah. Like, do you want to be an investor in this over here now? Or do you want to do, <laughs> like, I mean, opportunity after opportunity can come across your plate. So yeah. one of the hardest things is learning how to say no. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, do you, I mean, what's the competition look like? I mean, right now it feels through our conversation like there is none. Well, there is another direct primary care that just opened this month in Gainesville and Jonesville. Okay. Um, but we don't see them as competition. It's not really competition. There's so many people that need service, and we're friends with all the direct primary cares down in Ocala, and we cross refer to each other. And I feel like we're kind of direct primary care is more of a family situation, and it's not, you know. I don't, it doesn't feel scary to us. We don't have this like, these are our, every, everyone in Gainesville is ours. That's not reasonable. And you know, people have to go where they're comfortable. So there's, you know, 200,000 people in Gainesville at the office we have now, we can hold like 1,400 and, or, you know, 1,700 and then we'll open another office. And there's plenty of patients and a lot of people need great care. So we don't really feel kind of nervous or scared. And it's been great. The other primaries in town have been very supportive and, you know, it, it sometimes people just use us for backups like if they're with a company and they love their primary we always say to them keep your primary but we're available if you need us after hours or if your medication refills are more affordable with us if you're a member we can refill your medications and so you know there hasn't been a lot of this stepping on the toes because we we don't feel that we're not stealing anybody's patients we're happy that they're not billing insurance and we're not billing insurance so we're not you know stepping on their toes in that way so you know it's been we've been well received and you know that if you're if you're a medical provider you want your patients taken care of and if you don't have the time to do that it's nice to have somebody on backup that can help when you're not available as opposed to an urgent care or er where they don't know that person at all and it increases your the awareness in the community for your type of option too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think so that's huge. It raises visibility. Yeah, and I absolutely. agree with that ten thousand percent. And we want them to do well. Yeah. We want them to provide great service and do you know do what direct primary care is intended to do, which is different. Yeah. Um, and you know we want them to be super successful. Um, we're getting ready to you know reach out to them again and you know see how we can collaborate and you know work with them and be 
you know, helpful to each other. Um, I would tell you, back to your question, Colin, about um, growth and competition. So when we've gone to um, direct primary care conferences, national conferences, we went to one up in D.C., um, talking to other, you know, doctors and providers who have, you know, stepped out on their own and opened practices like this, a lot of times they aren't overly, and I wouldn't say ambitious, but they're not overly like amped to grow and they're really happy to, they just wanted to get out of the rat wheel mm. and they just are like, oh, thank goodness, like I can have this practice and I can, you know, have 300 patients on a panel and it's me and like my life is wonderful. Just be um, happy from and, that point. Yeah, right. they're happy and, and they're providing an excellent service. I think what Lisa and I look at differently is that we want, you know, to give an opportunity to other providers to do this that would be afraid to do it on their own. Because I think that it is like stepping out of like something that's secure. When you have, you know, a big insurance company that's gonna, you know, ensure that you're gonna have patients fed to you, it's like there's security in that, even though there it's a double-edged sword. Right. So I think that like what we wanna do is, you know, provide this platform for other people that might be afraid and would say, I would love to do this, but I can't. And, you know, I think that that's you know what I see as our like vision is growing and helping other people provide you know this give them this life and opportunity and teach them you know like you can go to some you know chamber events and you can you know maybe join a BNI and maybe get out of your comfort zone a little bit or realize you didn't even know you had this side to you. I mean, we've had some like a couple of providers like, oh yeah, this is fun. I love this. This is great. Yeah. This is not just sitting in an office, you know, being hammered all day. Like I get to get yeah. out and I can meet people for lunch and talk about what we do here and people love it and it's a lot of fun. And so I think it's even teaching them that there's another way that they may enjoy even more than just straight up patient care. Ladies, this has been absolutely fascinating and I am super psyched for, for you guys, for your business, for your growth. Like, thank you for being such a vital part to Gainesville's ecosystem. And I'm just, I'm very proud to know you both. And, you know, just thanks again for being here. Um, where can all of our listeners find you on, like, on just website, social media, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so we're not like you, Colin. We don't have all the, you don't so have 30 we don't have all different. the, social media <laughs> so we're, we're, um, we have a website, celebrateprimarycare.com, which is really well done. A lot of questions are answered for businesses and individuals on there. And then we have a Facebook page, it's Celebrate Primary Care. Um, so yeah, we my daughter keeps trying to get me on Snapchat and Instagram, it just hasn't happened yet, so. Go with Instagram first. Yeah, yeah. if you're gonna pick one. That's the one. Go Graham, okay. yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, so, we have, so there's another one now. That we have to do, yeah. Instagram, I don't, yeah. No, I think we should hire somebody to do that. Um, this guy, <laughs> that guy, one of these guys. Yeah. So cool. We know it's important, but it's just another thing. All right, so I'm been wrapping up the show with this thing that's been epically failing for several episodes. Oh, okay, I go, I go. This is the WHOA GMV podcast, bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go. And I stop, and then nobody ever says whoa. Okay, okay so, we're so I'm gonna train everybody who's gonna be on the podcast from this day forward. From this day forward, when I say that line at the end of the show, I want everybody to go whoa. So there's not crickets. He's literally edited crickets in before. <laughs> I don't know if it, it was on a it was on a promo or something, That's right? Awesome. It wasn't on the podcast itself. Any, actually, and from from now on, just 
insert the crickets into the actual podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so, and you guys are going to be the first to nail this because I just so pre- I just prepped you. <laughs> we're, Can't wait. We're, we're good. And um, and Gainesville, I would get a, encourage you to go check these ladies out. If you are tired of spending seven thousand dollars on stitches, uh, this is probably a good direction to go. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. And this is the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. We'll see you later. Whoa.